what up, what up, what up? Once again, it's your favorite podcast back for another week. Three Brothers No Sense. I am Tavares Ferguson here with my co-host, Razio Mancarella, a.k.a. Razi, and Byron Evans, a.k.a. Buff. Fellas, tell us, well, tell us what's on your mind today. Well, I just want to say, finally, The Rock oh has come God. back to <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> yes, I mean, that's horrible. <laughs> I mean, what? Because uh, you guys don't like The Rock, or I like we like my, the rock, my, my no, impersonation. No one, I don't watch wrestling anymore. Yeah, that no, we used to be diehard back in the day, man. And, and, and yes, your impersonation was horrible too. Yeah, that was yeah, just a little more bass in your voice, or I don't know what it was, or just it was it didn't hit, bro. <laughs> you knew what I meant. That's automatic. I, I used to be a fanatic, man. I even took Tabitha to a couple of uh, shows like SmackDown and I think uh, Monday Night Raw or something. So. Bro, we used to skip school and wrestle in the backyard. We had NWO shirts, man. Yeah. I remember. I, yeah, I remember. People defected. Oh, every last one of us had like our uh, person that we were. You know, Who were you, Rizzy? Weren't you I, like... Uh, I was X-Pac. Of course you were X-Pac. <laughs> <laughs> Buff, who were you? Were you Buff? No, you were Triple H, weren't you? I was Triple H, yeah. Okay, yeah. I was I was Bret Hart. That lasted all the way till I worked at Sam's, dog. We used to be out there pushing carts, and I would, like, spit my Gatorade out like he did in front of customers as they walked by. That was horrible, man. So, Buff, tell the people what's on your mind, man. You know, I used to say this at the end of the show. But I think uh, people that listen are usually probably on their way to turning the show off. So I want to say at the top of the show, guys, we're all over social media. We ask that you follow us. We have a lot of fun on our Facebook page, Three Brothers No Sense. We post all kind of funny stuff, a lot of engagement there. We're on Instagram and Twitter, Three Brothers No Sense. I encourage you to follow all three because all three platforms have different things. We don't post the same thing on all three platforms. So if you're just following Facebook, you're missing out on what's going on the other two. So check us out. All right, man. Um, I'm going to tell you guys, and this is, I guess, a PSA. Global warming is real. <laughs> man, I was out in Tallahassee for homecoming this weekend, and it was 97 degrees in October. That's just right. And I have concluded that this is not the same sun that we used to play outside in. Somebody switched that switched it. I don't know what happened and Y2K might have been just that they changed the sun out of some dude. I'm talking about people. Hey, man, Gen X, man, that's what it was. Gen X switched us. Oh, yeah, by the way, Rizzy, Lenny wanted me to tell tell you to F you for talking about Gen X. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we got we got beef on the show. I don't know if you got the message, but he can't believe you down Gen X like that. So I mean, uh, we, we can invite him to the show and he can try to defend. No, no, you Gen don't X. want you, you don't want that, as a matter that. of fact, I'm gonna reach out to him. Um, because he he would be a, a good first guest. That dude is freaking hilarious. So we might make that happen. Lenny, if you listen to the show, get your questions ready and get ready to defend Gen X. Um <laughs> Try. Yeah, but uh, homecoming was a blast. Class of '99, we raised over two hundred thousand dollars. Had a blast. I'm not built for that life anymore. Uh, it's real in the field. So see you guys in another five years, and I'm ready to party with Class of '99 in Mobile, Alabama, for homecoming uh, all class reunion in November when we will be doing our live podcast. 
But since I've done the promo for that, now let's pay some bills so we can make sure make sure that we make it to this live show. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, fellas, we're back. It's my favorite part of the show. It's question time. Let me see what I have for us today. Palm rub. (laughs) Man, what? Let me see. I had a couple of questions, but I think I'm going to do this one. Uh, And it might be a little lighter than usual. And I think it's something that we're all guilty, guilty, uh, guilty of. So let's say let's play this game. First of all, when Barack ran for president, when the D.C. sniper happened or when anything happens in the news that's off the chain, what's the first thing you do and or say? I hope he won black. <laughs> I don't hope black. he. Black. I hope he won black. <laughs> so my question revolves around the black or white issue, or you know, uh, is it just me, or I can literally turn on the TV right now? I can be halfway through a game show. If I turned on the prices right right now, and it was three people on the stage, and it was one black lady. You know who I'm rooting for. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. That's, I mean, no, that's not just you. Matter of fact, Saturday Night Live just did a skit on that. It is. A that's mess. what made me think about yeah. it. So Saturday Night Live just did a skit <laughs> talking about uh, it was almost like a race, a race war, a race game. So basically it was them on a news show going over these uh I guess news stories, uh, just news, news stories. stories. Uh, yeah. And every time something was mentioned, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, he was white. He was white. Oh, he was black. So it literally became a contest and they were keeping score. So right. why did the hurricane name? <laughs> <laughs> so why is it that we are just by nature, we keep score? We root for the black person. We hope it's not the black person. And is it is it giving are our biases stopping us from seeing the bigger picture sometime? Um, <clears throat> I don't think that's just limited to black people when it comes for the rooting, the rooting part of your question. When it comes to rooting for like I'm a huge boxing fan and um one of the ways Mayweather made so much money is he he knows that that's what people key in on. So he would try to always fight a Mexican fighter on like Memorial Day or a Mexican holiday or whatever, because Mexicans are going to come out and root for their guy. And he was hoping black people would come and root for him. So the rooting portion, I think that's for all races. Now, as far as like not, as far as hoping that, it's not a black person when there's like a crime committed or something in the news and you're waiting to hear what the suspect is. I could be wrong, but I do think a lot of that is limited to us because I think we're such a minority, man. We've just had so many negative stereotypes in, in movies and music and just everything that, you know, real life news stories reinforce that. And so we're just hoping 
that that stereotype isn't like <laughs> brought to life in this particular news story. So we're rooting like, please don't be black. Please don't be black. Damn, he black. <laughs> what's the biggest? What's the biggest story or something that you saw? And you was like, please don't let this be. Please don't. I, I think you took it, man. I want to say the DC sniper, man. I mean, but that was so but, so long ago. But I and, feel like and, all and these. That, and I kind of take that back too because I think I assume it was a white person that I wasn't sitting around. Oh saying, yeah, please don't be black. So, yeah, me, DC yeah. sniper. It's call. funny. Anytime DC. you see a sniper or a serial oh, killer or anything like that, it's like it's the assumption that they're white, and oh, then yeah. you're surprised when it's anything different. Yeah. So. Which is why it really baffles me that, you know, law enforcement and the media try to always skew it towards a black person or that like black on black crime. And, and they, they want to perpetuate that myth when, you know, we, we like we said, we automatically assume a mass shooter is white. We automatically assume a serial killer is white. It, it You could even probably say it, uh, if a rapist, if they say somebody raped somebody, you Nine times out of ten, you're going to assume it's a white person, even though, you know, black people rape um, folks. I mean, it's just it's one of those things that we have. We all have our stereotypes that we automatically go to, uh, unfortunately. And and you know that every rapist isn't a white person and, you know, every mass shooter isn't a, a white person, even though most of them are. Let's be honest. But, you know, every one of them are. And so, yeah, I, I think the. The DC sniper probably was the most surprising to me, but even the um, the Boston bombers, the marathon bombers. Oh yeah, they were they were Hispanic, right? I thought they were white. I don't know. No, I think they were like weren't they like Russian or something like that? They might have been. Is that yeah. that's white too though? Yeah, like, oh, wait, hey, it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I, yeah, yeah, you got to be specific, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but yeah, to, for my answer, like I, I think Byron kind of hit it on the head. It's one of those things that the stereotypes are there, and so you're just hoping that it's whoever it is isn't going to reinforce the stereotype. It, it's it's that idea of we always put our entire race on our back, and mm-hmm. and we carry it, and and we know that everything that one of us does is going to be blanketed across all of us. Whereas a white person does something wrong. They're the exception. So white, you know, that, that whole idea of white is inherently good and black is inherently bad. And so that's where that automatic assumption comes from. And so what you're trying to do is say, don't be black, don't be black, don't be black so that you can't perpetuate that stereotype so that we can try to get out of that. And and media had a lot to do with it too, because when you really think about it, media concentrated on those black acts of violence and everything. And then, you know, you might get a little ticker for somebody doing something, uh, you know, a white person doing something, but then all of a sudden it's, it's a uh, front page, you know, breaking news and everything else if it's in the black area. So, you know, it, it's media has done that. And, and, and truthfully, I can't say that they've started to get better, um, a little better. It's, it's not perfect by any means, but I think the, the media has started to look at that as you get um, more diversity in the producer, in the booth, in, you know, upper management. They're, they're tracking that and they're making sure that, hey, we, we give 
I hate to say equal representation to violence, but we do give equal play and equal representation to that. Well, I agree with you uh, of the coverage, but the way they label things are definitely different. And oh, yeah. So, but the I guess the, the that was a lighter part of my question. I think the back end is do our biases end up hurting us? So, you know, I look at a lot of times and oh, I don't, we really don't try to get into politics on the show, but, you know, when we have a p- black politician, especially on a national stage, we do we hold them to a higher standard because they're representing the culture? You know, I think about Kamala Harris, how people were coming at her so hard in the beginning um, because of her views. They still but are. I don't I guess I don't see it as much, but you know, of her earlier views. And it's like, I don't think there's one politician that I've ever been around or uh, that I agree with everything they said, especially in the past, you know, maybe she's reformed on some of her views, but it's like, we, we attack that. And then at the same time, politics is one side, but even with the news article that we put on our Facebook page a few weeks ago, maybe it was a week ago about the young lady who, claimed to have been attacked by three young white men, white boys at her school. Oh, yeah. We automatically, you know, were screaming for their heads. We trusted her like, you know, of course she's she's right. Of course she was attacked. You know, we understand it. It's like, did we give those boys a fair trial? Did we even contemplate that she, you know, contemplate that she could be lying? Because it would, it would have been reversed. We'd be like, Black boys don't do that to white girls. They know better. You know, ain't three black boys going to jump on a white girl and cut her hair like that. We don't even raise boys to do that. Like we didn't give them the benefit of the doubt. And we just took her side because she was black. And sometimes that crying wolf could hurt us as well as the standards we set for black people in with a lot of uh, public appeal. Yeah, so, I, I, I agree. <laughs> Go ahead. Bro. Well, I was going to say, um, I, I don't know if I completely agree with that because I guess it depends on the detail of the story. Because if you you look at your boy Jesse Smollett, aka Juicy Smollett, I know some people was riding for him, but those of us that know better, we heard the details of that. We was like, hmm, some white people in Chicago that watch Empire enough to know him happened to have a noose and bleach. Wasn't this like in one of the wintertime months? Wasn't that earlier this year? Man, it's like three non-wintertime months in Chicago. So, so, so and, and, and they, they like lynched him or, or put it around his neck and called him monkey. You listen to those details, you was like, ah, I ain't gonna say nothing. I'm gonna just wait and see on this one. Mm-hmm. As yeah. opposed to as opposed to the girl, you can see that happening because bullying happens a lot in school and we know racism is still prevalent. So I don't think it always I don't think we necessarily just jump to defend a black person every time we hear a story, because depending on the details, you know, a lot of us know how to be like, OK, we'll just uh, we'll wait and see on that. one. Well, Juicy's story was just horrible. It wasn't yeah. it, though, but, but you had Taraji P. Henson. 
You had uh, all these all these black celebrities, you know, justice for Juicy, and and, and we, we really calling this man Juicy. Though. <laughs> <laughs> justice like, for Juicy, yeah. I mean, like people, I ain't trying to get sued. sued. Yes, we're gonna call him Juicy the whole yeah, episode. Juicy. Yeah, <laughs> the French, the Frenchman. <laughs> so so I, I don't know. I think we kind of wait for the details. I, yeah. Yeah. We, I, we, think, I mean, but it, I think it, it does come down to the believability of the story. So we're going to give we're probably going to give the black person more credence and and listen to the story more than, say, a white person might. So I think that might happen where we're going to actually listen all the way through and we're going to give the black person the benefit of the doubt. Like I said, going back to that white is inherently good, black is inherently uh, bad. It's we don't think that. So what we're doing is actually listening to the facts of the matter and giving them a chance to get it out. I mean, that story with her getting her haircut, like Byron said, was very believable. It's not outside of the realm of possibility at all. Uh, so yes, we're going to believe her until, and, and, and they have to prove them that they're not same way um, law enforcement would do. Right. It's like, okay, you're a suspect. I think that, that somebody reported it. I'm going to uh, listen to it. And when, when the facts came out, everybody was like, okay, she lied. And they were on her. They were like, oh, she shouldn't have lied and this, that, and other. And people, you know, came down on her. So I, I think the only thing is we don't jump to conclusions to believe the white person automatically. Um, and we give the black person at least a fair shake in us, in our judgment. But we take sides quick, though. I, just, I disagree. I feel like we take sides. Like, you know, maybe those police really feel for their lives. On all these shootings, maybe they really fear for their lives. We don't buy that at all. Like we just, we just, you know, if they said that I got shot by police, we ought, and maybe it's me or the people I hang around that is already the narrative has formed in your head. What happened? Yeah. You know, I mean, because I'm, I'm probably in the minority with the whole Geiger, um, you know, incident, because the thing about it is, yes, she murdered him. I, Let's put that out there. I, I don't. I don't want anybody to think that I'm. I'm doubting that. Yeah, but I what you gotta say on this. What I do, and and I think that's where like the the brother saying that he's gonna forgive her and all that. I don't think it was her going in saying I'm racist or this that and other. I'm gonna shoot this guy. I think she came off of a shift. She was tired. She went into the wrong apartment. Didn't really think about what was happening. Saw somebody there. She's like I said, I mean, buying your cop people, people don't like y'all. So she's already on edge. She's coming off of a shift. And so she walks in and she sees somebody in an apartment and you guys know apartments are generally laid out the same. I mean, and if it's dark, you might not notice that, you know, the his his couch is different than yours, that type of thing. So we How don't she know get all in? that. I, I don't remember. How does she how does she get in the freaking it apartment? It was unlocked. So that's the thing is, so when you when you really step back and look at it, it it, it was murder, but I don't think it was intentional. And and I so that, I think that's why the brother was able to say, I forgive you because I know you murdered my brother, but I don't think it was on purpose. Like, I don't think you intentionally tried to go in and murder him. But at any point that she fessed up, like I made a mistake, like, did she no, try to he came he, at her or he, did she try you lose me, Rosie, because of how they try to like cover her tracks. And again, what's the threat? Even if she thought somebody was in her apartment, like he, like one of the positions police try to get you in 
is to sit down, if not proned out. He was sitting down. So I don't want to get into nuances of that case, but, you know, like you said, we kind of disagree on that one. Yeah. Um, and, and to go to Ferg, I don't, you know, I don't want to completely dismiss what you're saying on how we take sides because sometimes I do every once in a while, you know, we can jump to conclusions, Duke lacrosse, that whole thing about what was that 15, 10, 10 or 15 years ago now where the, 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 the stripper was there at the party for all white players and she cried rape. That was easy to believe, but it turned out to be, you know, false. And they, you know, their accusations were much more louder than their exoneration. And so times like that, yeah, we can we can be off a little bit. But I think overwhelmingly, a lot of the times we are justified in taking that side. So like when you said when you said like a police may have feared for his life, I don't think we just hear, you know, cops shot somebody and we automatically, you know, are up in arms about it. It's when we hear that the person was unarmed a mm-hmm. uh, hundred yards away. I'm exaggerating, but you know, just on like, camera running away. Yeah, like, that, know, that, that's uh, not posing a threat to you. Yeah, so that's when we kind of take take sides. Yeah, and I agree. <clears throat> I'm usually that person that I, I agree wholeheartedly. Like, even if they were scared, there's they had a chance to to run, flee, not make it a deadly shooting. You know, you were scared a big black man came at you. He came at you, he turned around and ran. You fear for your life, but he's running the other direction. You don't have to shoot him in the back. You don't have to walk him up on him. Like you, There's Man, no excuse. I, I almost shot a kid in Afghanistan. Same so here. I, I get it. You, you, know, you remember, I, I mean, I tell that story all the time. I mean, the little kid you, was running at me. But you, but you almost. Yeah. You almost. You had to You had to have some discernment. Like, there's rules of engagement. And my thing, I agree with you, Byron. I don't think it's all racism. Like, there, I don't think everybody even if they have some racist or some racist tendencies that lead to unrealistic biases that have these people more demonized or, or more deadly than in their mind than they should be. I feel like there's a probably a certain level of fear or whatever the case may be. But at the same time, you committed a crime. Like you kill, you kill somebody you pay. Maybe you don't get 30 years, you know, like you don't, you don't get 30 years like a stone cold killer, but mm-hmm. you, the thing I can't agree with how this trial turned out is you kill somebody who was unarmed. You made a mistake. If I did it, I would go to jail. And I'm going to go to jail. So my thing is, it sh- to me, there should be almost like, look, if you shoot an unarmed person as an officer of the law, there's going to be a certain penalty. So it makes other officers think about, hey, are you sure that this person is a threat enough because if you're unsure and you kill this person, you are going to serve some time in Florida. They have a, a crime law bill that's called 1020 life. If you commit a crime with a gun, it's 10 years. And I'm just exaggerating on kind of uh, remembering it as I, I, as I was on a Florida, but it was like 10 years with a gun, uh, 20 years. If you brandish a gun, if you fire the weapon is life. So when you go into a crime in Florida, you know what you're going to get. You know what the you know what the deal is. Like it's no slipping up. Like okay, if I have a gun while I commit this crime, I'm 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 eligible for ten years in prison. Like, only, you, oh, oh man, go ahead, go ahead. No, like and so if you're a police officer and you shoot an unarmed person, 
Hey, I'm not saying you need to get tried for complete murder and face life in prison, but hey, you might be in prison for five years. Like it's a minimum five years. Well, pay, pay, the, pay the price like a civilian. So well, the, 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 the two things I want to say, we can jump to the next topic is one, um, you know, we, you know, Ferg, Rising and myself, we're harping on race because that viral video that went around about three weeks ago with the naked white man who had just killed his family and like literally is chasing the police officer. Mm-hmm. He, he still was not apprehended without a shot fired. You know what I mean? So we, we, you know, we as black people, we see that. And and you look at the numbers within the police departments, you know, Raji, Raji mentioned I'm a cop. Like there are statistics that show that police officers are inherently they see black people more as a threat than white people. They see black males much older than what they really are, much stronger than they really are. You think about Mike Brown and how that officer said that he felt like he was in Hulk Hogan's arms or whatever. So there is the inherent threat of just being a black person. They don't even have to be armed. And the second thing I want to say is we really have to know these laws when we're talking about this, these type of cases, because unarmed isn't necessarily always unarmed. So if you have an unarmed person that wrestles with a cop and he gets shot, that's not really an unarmed shooting, especially if the cop is like five, seven, 150 pounds. If he's fighting somebody that's 230 pounds and six foot eight, you know, clearly that person can beat that cop up and they can take their weapon and they're no longer unarmed. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's one of the things we have to consider. Like, it's not always just, you have to have a weapon in your hand to be considered unarmed. Like the law gives officers the right to like determining factors are size, skill, all that stuff is played into, um, the Supreme Court case on use of force. So I bored you guys enough with that. We can uh we can move on to something else if you like. Oh man. Nah, nah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm you know the nerd in me, I was I was listening intently. Oh so yeah. that was good stuff. So, so who's up I, next? I guess I'll jump in. Um two things I want to talk about before I ask my question. One is Breaking Bad, the movie comes out yeah. on Netflix tomorrow sure. at eight yeah. o'clock in the morning. Uh, so I guess when you guys hear this on um, when it's the listeners out. hear this on Monday, it's out. So if you ain't watched it yet, uh, you need to go check that out. And the second one is there's a new show by Michael B. Jordan produced it called. Yeah. Have you started watching it? It's called uh, Raising Dion. So, you know, the nerd in me, if you like um, superhero movies and stuff like that, it's about a single mother that's raising a kid with superpowers. And so. Yeah, and she is kind of fine. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, so Dion Mama, um, <laughs> hey, hey Dion Mama. But anyway, um, with all that going on, all the mute movies and everything that's happening right now, what I wanted to ask you guys is your top three series and your favorite scene from one of those three. Top three favorite series, like current uh, series or no, his all time, all time. Top number, three, I, number, because I, I know number one for probably all most of us are one that's in the top three for all three of us. So, well, number number three for me, I think is I, I got to go back and watch both of them, but it's it's out of Dexter and the Shield, and it's probably the Shield number three. Number two is Breaking Bad, and number one is The Wire. And I'll give you my favorite scene in a moment. Let's go to Ferg on his. No, nah, man, I, I'm lost, man, because I really. 
I don't have a very like I don't really get into shows like that for real for like I'll watch a show and then stop three seasons in. I'm trying to think what show. I mean, man, you got to come back to me, Rosie. I got to think of that one. I I so bar you, you where was the wire in yours? Number, number one. one, number one for you. Yeah. All right. So for me, I think it's going to be Dexter. As at number three. That's a good one. I'm gonna go with and this is kind of the nerd in me, right? So um Naruto Shippuden uh is my number two series. So it's an anime, probably one of the best animes out there. Hey, um, watches that. She she might, yeah. she should. It's it's, it's pretty cool. And my number one definitely is the wire. Like I, I haven't seen anything that can stand up to the wire. I, I would have put Game of Thrones in there. Had not it been for season eight, and so, so Game of Thrones <laughs> up there for me, but season eight. So I have the Wire and Game of Thrones in there right now, but I'm really debating with Game of Thrones, uh, just because of season eight. So, but I got to give them credit. I mean, eight seasons, seven and a half, seven and a quarter seasons. Uh, I mean, that show was flawless. Was, I've never it's phenomenal. Like I, I've never seen writing and somebody keep you on edge and the suspense and the just the the turns. You think you know something like the show that when you first watch it and you think the main character like, oh, this show is about Ned Stark and his family. Oh, they kill this nigga. Like, <laughs> it's like, hey, is he gonna be a ghost? Like oh, you don't know if that ain't a show quotable. Oh, they kill this. <laughs> like, oh man, and. I don't know. I'm gonna switch it up. So I got Game of Thrones just because of the, the the child and the the the, the fantasy lover in me. Because I'm a deep, deep deep thinker, and I know I'm gonna get flat for this. This is us is probably one of the best written shows I've ever seen in my life, dude. Yes. Like the things they touch on, the way they tie things together. I mean, I've talked about it with family members and stuff like that. It made me re-examine my relationships with siblings and how we view things differently. So I think for those reasons, you know, my, my, my wife as well, we talk about those things and just real, realize that. And then of course the wire, man, uh, uh, it is what it is. Actually, I don't even say the wire because everybody says the wire. So don't be hating just because everybody says the wire. Man, it is immaculate. I got to give you, I got to get in front of the audience. I got to give you guys credit because I bleeped and bleeped on Game of Thrones for years. And y'all were oh, telling me yeah. how good it was. I was yeah. like, ah, I don't want to see a show about dragons. I don't want to see it. I finally, after about four attempts, because I would fall asleep on the first episode every time, I finally uh, I finally gave it a chance. And it, it is a great show. It's it's easily it's easily top ten. It's probably top five for me. Season eight did mess it up, but it's still a great show overall. I'm going to do Breaking Bad. That's my last one. Just because, right. just because, like, I think, so, the, man. oh my, just, God. I mean, when, when he turned, when he turned evil, when you start, start seeing this dude just become a, 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 a maniacal, just criminal mastermind, you like, say my name. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> like, when he killed, like, I'm, gosh, man, it's, I don't even know, man. So the second part of your question, Rosie, is unfair to pick just one scene. But I uh, make it a little hard. I'll just I you know, I would have to watch all five seasons again, but I think 
So I'm going to give you a favorite scene and a favorite line. And you're going to have to bleep out some of my favorite lines. So I'm letting you know that right now. Favorite oh, scene. Wow. One of my favorite scenes from The Wire is for those that you ha- that haven't watched it. This character, Stringer Bell, he brought all the drug dealers from Baltimore. They were sitting down like a damn, like a council. You know, almost like Congress meets. And he had his, he had his like sidekick or whatever. This dude was taking notes. So at the end of the meeting, Stringer Bell walks up to him. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm keeping track of the minutes. You told me to keep track of the minutes, so I'm keeping track. He said, nigga, is you taking notes on a criminal conspiracy? Is you crazy? (laughs) So that's one of my favorite scenes. And my favorite line, this might be my favorite line. Like, I may not even have to think about anything else. There's a character named Bunk and Lester Freeman. They had the bar drinking. And I forgot what brought this conversation up, but Bunk said, I'm just a humble motherfucker with a big dick. And Lester, <laughs> and Lester Freeman said, you give yourself too much credit. And Bunk replies, okay, I ain't all that humble. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my joint right there, man. So, oh, that's what man. I got. Oh, uh, Byron, I don't know. I can't follow it up, man. Like, uh, I don't know, man. I don't. I always I don't... say Byron is the best storyteller out of all of us, man. It's like the... that. That was a. Uh... What you What you got? It's your question, Rizzy. So what you got? It's yeah. my question, but I can't tell a story though. So if mine's not going to be all that great. But um, I really do think my favorite. I'm I'm a big underdog type person. I love the underdog. Or the forgotten character. And so going back to Naruto, so once again, y'all probably ain't never seen it, but right. um, there's a character on there called Rock Lee. And so Bushy he's the eyes. only one. Yeah, huh? Bushy eyes. Bushy eyes, Bushy yeah. Eyes. Yeah, yeah, a bushy brow. Bushy um, brow, yeah. Yeah, so bushy brow. Like, uh, Rock Lee can't use ninjutsu. And so the whole premise of the show is they're ninjas. And so he's the only one that can't use ninjutsu in the whole doggone uh, place. And so, but he works hard and he trades his body and he's basically the best Kung Fu fighter in the freaking world. And so, why are you over there laughing, Byron? This is not- I, just, I just thought of another funny line. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Keep going. You're not oh. supposed to let the audience know I'm laughing, man. No, nah, man. Nah. <laughs> so, Rock Lee trained all his life and he goes up against this dude named Gara of the Saiyan. And um, so they're trying to do this whole, they have to kind of graduate ninja school. And so they got to fight other people. And so he fights basically the strongest character in, in the world at the time with Gara. This is this dude that can use Saiyan and all this stuff. And so he's getting his butt whooped because Gara is like super strong, super strong. And so he jumps on this like giant Buddha and uh, his master says, okay, you can take off the weights. And everybody's like, man, what is taking off a little ankle weights going to do or whatever? And he pulls them off and he holds them out. He holds his arms out and then he drops them from the giant Buddha. And when they hit the ground, it makes it like this huge explosion, like dust falls up. Like it's like a bomb went off by him just dropping those. And then he starts like whooping guards, but like he can move super, super fast like nobody can keep up with him. Uh, Gar's like guard. His sand moves by itself. It can't keep up with him. And he starts whooping his butt. So he becomes like, you know, the best ninjutsu or the the best ninja uh, in the area just by hard work and being able to uh, work out, work more 
and harder than everybody else. So, man, it's an awesome scene. I'll share it with y'all uh, on on Facebook. But if if you don't watch anime, go watch that scene, and that, you'll be hooked from there on. I got nothing for you, fellas, man. I can't remember a scene. It just really just takes it off for me, man. All right, I, Byron, can, Byron, you can tell yeah, us your other screen. I'm, I'm a I'm a default to you. I mean, you you would have to bleep it again, so I don't know if it's worth. <laughs> hey, at this point, I think uh, we we might. Th- this is not a made for a kids show, and and we might just put the even, E on this one. And it's not even like a long story, but the same character bunk. He was drunk this time, and he said, "Hey, Jimmy, you know what the plural is for pussy? Pussy." <laughs> <laughs> This is stupid, man. <laughs> but uh, oh so man, is is it on me? Is yeah, it on man, yeah, it's on you. So I, I've been going back and forth on which question I was going to ask. So I guess I'll ask this one this week, and maybe the other one next week. Um, we're all fathers, as we stated time and time again on this show, and it's something that I think about all the time now. And my question to you guys is, what did you get wrong? You know, like your perception of parenthood before you actually became a parent. And once you became a parent, you learn, man, I I was completely wrong about this or about that. Is there anything that you were completely wrong about before you were a parent that you learned otherwise once you became a parent? Oh, man, I'll go with this one. Um, I thought I would have more time to influence my daughter's personality. I did not realize kids were born with freaking personalities. Like they are, they are who they are from day one. Like my daughter is sky is four years old and sky is sky. Like she's a loving freaking sensitive, just can have an attitude, smart mouth. Like she's, I mean, she's, you thought you would be able to influence them more like or how they act or what they would be attracted to or the things they would be interested in. I mean, you still, to, to a certain extent, you still have a play in all that, but it's like these kids have, they're already, they're already them. You know, like I was molding in my mind when my wife was pregnant, I'm molding what my daughter was going to be like or who she was going to be and how I was going to influence this. And man, I don't have a prayer, man. That girl is already, she's playing me. She's already figuring out how she's going to mold me into who I'm going to be. That happens. Yeah. But for me, it's I I thought that I wouldn't be as hard or disciplined as my family was or as my dad was. I remember um, this one incident. My dad. So my dad had um, a tumor in his throat when I was seven, eight, somewhere in there. Maybe even 10. I can't remember I the exact that. time. So yeah, he had a um, and so he had he had a uh, a surgery to uh, remove it. It wasn't cancerous, but um, he was in the hospital for a few days, had a trach, you know, all that, and so it had to be a little bit older, probably around ten or eleven, because I had started feeling myself while he was gone, thinking I'm the man of the house, this, that, and the other, kind of doing, you know, running over my mom a little bit or whatever, and um, so when he came back even though he was like super weak, you know, just getting out of surgery, whatever, can't really talk. And, um, I did something, I said something and, you know, my dad got on to me. He couldn't do much cause he could barely like walk and talk and everything, but he got on to me. And I was like, I wish you were back in the hospital. 
And oh, my dad, my that dad, was yeah, man, that was, it, it, it's like thinking back on it, like I'm, 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 I felt bad. Like I feel bad now, still about you saying that. You should, you should and, call um, dad and apologize <laughs> again. Yeah, because like you call dad, and I'm gonna check up. I'm gonna hit your, I'm gonna hit mom uh, tomorrow to make sure you call too. Yeah, man, because like I remember after that, my dad didn't even say nothing. That was that was how bad it hit him. Like he didn't do nothing or anything. He just walked out on the front porch and sat on the porch. And and like I thought about it and I went out there and I was like, I did. I apologize. I was like, damn sorry. I didn't mean that. I and I I, I'm, I remember that was probably the biggest hug me and him gave each other, like ever. And that that made me think about you you have to be a parent. You know, I, you can't be their friend and I, and and you know we all think I'm gonna be the cool dad I'm gonna be the cool parents I ain't gonna my kids gonna love me and then you know I've I've had that Sophie has I've had to tell Sophie no and she's like I don't like you anymore daddy or you're not my friend anymore and thinking back on that situation with my dad I I was like I'm not trying to be your friend I ain't gotta be your friend I'm your parent I'm trying to make sure that you're gonna be straight that you grow up that you are safe, that you know what's happening, you know, in life and, and you can go and be a successful adult and, and live your life. And so, man, you, you just have to really toe that line because I, I you still want a relationship with them, right? You still want to get that hug and, and then be excited when you walk in the door, but you got to keep them on a the straight and narrow too and, and, and not be their friend. Now that's good stuff. And that's like I say, man, I learned stuff with you guys doing this show. Didn't I know your dad had that, man? And just hearing your response to him by saying that, like you wish you still in the hospital, like that, that cut me. Oh, yeah, man. man that was, we all have kids. Yeah, heck, man. Oh, so for me, it's kind of like uh, I guess I got two answers. One, um, one thing I, I truly learned, I truly learned this because I think we've all had parents that would say, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you when they get ready to whip you and stuff like that. And I always thought that was BS as a kid. Man, it's so true. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Like, if you have to whip your child, it it kills you. It kills me to even have to be mad at my daughter. And I think growing up, we as kids, we felt like the parents were like gleefully catching us doing something so we can be in trouble. Like, you know, I got you. And, mm-hmm. and they get, yeah, they were kind of robotic, you know? Yeah. So, so they get to punish you that they were happy about it, but they're not, it's not something you want to do to your kid, man. It's not a good feeling. So that, but the, the number one thing I learned, man, and this is almost in one word, I could say everything. I learned every, I was wrong about it, everything. And by that, I mean, I remember I would, I would say stuff like, man, there's no excuse for a parent not to check their child's homework every day and 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 make sure they cook for them and, and, and show to all show up to all the PTA meetings and all that stuff. It, it's no excuse. You know, it's no excuse. That's why kids are bad today, because parents don't do this and that. Listen, on the front end, let me just say this. You should check your kids' homework every day. <laughs> you should try to make every PTA meeting. You should. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't have kids and that's how you think, let me tell you right now, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. But but work a 12-hour shift and fight an hour and a half commuter traffic. Get home, tired, co-working and snitched on you, 
boss supervising and yelled at you and your kid got 10 problems of math homework you ain't looked at in 20 years. <laughs> man, that's tough. And it's, and it's, it's new math. It's, it's, it's tough, man. It's, so it's not as easy as I thought it was before I became a parent. Like, you should just be able to do this and that and everything else will take care of itself. Man, life happens. Life takes place every day and it definitely, like, it, it's work. Like, I, I just, before we came on the show, I was checking her homework. And it, I'm telling you, man, like, it, it can really be work. And it's not as easy as you think. And we just have one kid. So you guys, you know, Ferg with two, Riza, you have three. Like, I can only imagine what you guys are going through, man. So much respect to y'all. But I just want to take this time to just say, I was wrong about a lot of stuff, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I agree with you on that, Byron, because I think when you say that, what I think about your question now, when you, after you say that, is like, I've learned to respect what my parents went through yes. and accomplished way more. And I have way more tools to do what I need to do and what I want to do than they did in a probably a better time or easier time to raise a kid. But like you're saying, just not just working a 12 hour shift or check it's still still being still being yourself Mm -hmm. and learning how to prioritize, not lose yourself in it, um, not beat yourself up with guilt when you don't do something or can't do something or feel obligated to do everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's a balancing act, you know, uh, I remember playing football, running, running track, run, playing soccer and not having my parents at every game and stuff like that and feeling some sort of way, you know, when I'm a parent, I'm being my kids, everything. And I'm almost like my daughter's four and she's starting to want to do stuff. I'm like, man, what can I get her into that last an hour on Sunday for the rest of her life? Like, <laughs> you know, like track meets last all day. Uh, softball and baseball tournaments last all weekend. You know, like, man, that's a lot of time. And it's just I don't want to lose myself. Uh, you know, my mom was working, a, you know, working a nine to five, selling uh, plates on the weekend, going to church and stuff like that. She really didn't have time for herself, but not being so judgmental. Then also thinking about, you know, and, and, and weekends are precious, man. Yeah. You know, when you working, you know, you, you look forward to that weekend. I know, Rosie, last week you mentioned you're a soccer coach and like, I don't know when your son's games are, but like you wait for the weekend. It's like, oh. I don't have to get up. Yeah. And get moving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can lounge around the house and slow uh, play it. Yeah. yeah. You can't do that. And like, yeah. You know, my daughter. That as a kid, man. Like when I played football and the baseball, I didn't think about the sacrifice my mom was making, just taking me to practice. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah, that hour. Like I, 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 t- yeah. I have to take the kids to gymnastics. Not at Jenica's uh, in Tuscaloosa at school, and sitting there for that hour, I'm like. Oh my God! This is the worst. This is the longest. Uh, when are they finished? They they just doing cartwheels. Like hurry up! But yeah. you just got to be there for them. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a challenge. So hats off to our parents and people who had to do it, and the people that are doing it by themselves. You know, it's and I and I always learned. I learned this a few years ago um, with one of my law brothers as he was trying to develop a better relationship with his dad. Is consider you know, consider where they were, you know, uh, Byron, you're 37, about th- no, 38, right? Yeah. 38. And how old is Jasmine? 10? She'll be 11 on Halloween. 
Yeah, 10, 11. So you still had her in your late 20s. You know, like I had my kids in mid to late 30s. We had a little more probably going for ourselves. Rise you stability. had ability. Yeah. Yeah. Ability. But at least you were still in school and like you were building a career and stuff like, you know, I think about my mom had, and I'm, and I don't know how old your mom was she, when she had you, Byron, but they were young growing up in Mobile, Alabama. There's not a lot of opportunity and the stuff that they're able to, were able to accomplish and have to deal with is, is great. So when I think about those times, I was upset with my parents. You know, I learned when I was, my mom had me when she was 22. Yeah, 22. So I think about me being 10 years old, my mom being 32. At 32, I was still having the time of my life, you know? I really had little to no responsibility. I was just getting married. These guys accomplished a lot. So, man, uh, I realize you can't be as judgmental and think things are going to be as perfect yeah. as you thought they were going to be. And, how be this perfect parent? Because yeah. but I don't know. I, I'll tell you one thing that I thought as a kid that I know better now is my lies sucked. <laughs> bro, you, bro, you I was, was already horrible. horrible. I was already horrible. But you know, I, in high school I was really bad at lying. But you gotta think when you're a kid and your parent be like, What you doing? And you be like, nothing, or you you be lying huh? and telling them, huh, I'm doing this and that, and you you, you know better. That pause. Yeah, like you thought you got away with it. No, your parents let you get away with it. But, you know, now as a parent, we let our kids get away with it. When they be like, because it's, yeah, it's not even it's I, not even I, it's not I, even I worth <laughs> broke the, you know, the vase. Well, it's two Me of us. Me and sitting right here. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not even worth dealing with it. That you're so tired sometimes you're like I don't even want to just all I like, all I do now, man, if I hear a loud noise, I just wait. If I don't hear any crying, Okay, she good. All right. We'll check it out later. <laughs> I realized my patience and like my daughter's clumsy. She failed the other day. And I just like Scott, stop running, stop, stop running, Scott, stop running. Five minutes later. Boom. And in my heart, you know, I want to just go run to her and be that dad. But it's in them like <sighs> Y'all learn a lesson. Go. Here we go again. As I, as our homeboy stout, if you're gonna be <laughs> if you're gonna be stupid. It's gonna be tough. It better be tough. <laughs> <laughs> he told his kid that every day, every time we saw him, stop, stop, stop. And he's like, "Look, don't worry about we it." We playing? Just, no, no, I think we were playing, we're playing. hacky sack. We we're playing hacky sack. Oh, I think. No, it was hacky sack, and uh, and Levi ran in the circle between us, and and Stout we ended kick up it. kicking him or something like that, and he started crying, and and, and we were like, "You gonna do something?" He's like, "Nah, if Levi, what did I tell you?" <laughs> he literally had his son quoted, like, "What did I tell you?" If you're going to be stupid, you better be tough. And I'm like, Lord. So uh, another great show, fellas. I had a blast talking to you. It's been real. What do you guys have in your mind? What do you want to leave the audience with? Um, I'm just going to, I'll let Rosie take us out. I'm just going to say, I mentioned early in the show, I'm a huge boxing fan. So I was, I started the day off with one of my favorite boxers. He was in a bad accident down in Dallas, Texas, Earl Spence Jr., Car flipped over. He got ejected from the car. Uh, the last I saw before we came on the show was he was up. He was responsive. No fractures, no broken bones. As a fan, I don't even care if he ever returns to the ring. I just was happy that he's alive and will make a full recovery. So prayers up for him. God was with him. Hope he's learned from this. And um, 
Glad that he's doing okay. All right. Well, um, since I can't really say anything about this, I'm going to uh, kick it over to our senior military correspondent, uh, Horatio Smouye. He's a uh, French <laughs> as well. Um, so Horatio, take it away. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Rosie. All right, look, this whole thing about the Kurds and us pulling out of Syria is bull. Um, we letting a lot of people die. We letting our allies just leaving them on the hook. And it really pisses me off as a military advisor to Three Brothers No Sense. Um, we need to be doing more. And so if y'all got any questions, just hit us up. We can talk about it. I can talk about it as Horatio Smouye. Um, who is not a member of the military and I have no relation. Even though I sound a whole lot like Orazio, I'm not Orazio. Just want to let you guys know that. Uh, back to you, Orazio. Hey, Horatio, thanks, man. We appreciate that intro. Uh, Ferg, take us out, man. Hey, man. Um, I'm going to just challenge everybody to uh, take time out and do pay it for it this week, do something nice for somebody. You know, uh, I was in Tallahassee this weekend. We were challenged to do something for the students on campus. So I bought some meals for some people while I was standing in line buying food. And I remember being a broke college student and just seeing them go to the front of the line and order their food and, uh, or pick up their food and realize that it was already paid for, uh, meant a lot to them. So that was just something small, but just, uh, pay it for it and do something nice for somebody. Uh, these days we all need it. So, uh, once again, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you young brothers. Uh, anything we missed out and left on the table? I think we got it all, man. Good, man. Well, I will uh, hopefully maybe next week we might have a, a new guest on the, uh, the show. So once again, Three Brothers No Sense, your favorite podcast, signing out. Talk to your brothers and young, young ladies next week. <laughs>